Welcome to season four of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life into your service, family, and home. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm honored to take this opportunity to invest in you. Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I have an amazing interview today that is so important on OPSEC, and we're going to talk about what OPSEC is, but I have the lovely um, Alexandra Pinaretos. I had to practice her name over and over again, but I affectionately <laughs> call her OPSEC Alex, and you guys are going to find all about why. Um, she is my favorite go-to person on all things cybersecurity, OPSEC, and more than anything, helping us as military, um, not just military families, but just families in general, knowing how to better secure ourselves and handle things like social media, our digital devices. Um, and there's been so much news out there lately on hold all the Russian stuff and can anybody get access to our devices and how can they use that to influence us and all of that can be so confusing. So I have brought um, OPSEC Alex to join the podcast to talk a little bit about OPSEC and help us understand it from a much better perspective. So Alex, welcome. You are welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you have, um, I'll tell you how, I'll tell everybody how I met you in the first place. Um, I met you through the Military Spouse of the Year program, um, mm -hmm. and my husband and I got to sit in for one of your talks on how to be more aware of OPSEC and how to be a little bit more secure um, with how we put ourselves out there in the public, and you gave an amazing presentation that frightened almost everyone to the point that we all turned off social media temporarily and had to really go through and <laughs> take a good look at what we were doing and yeah. what we were putting there. But I will tell you what, it was important, and we are so glad that we did it, and we're so thankful that this has been a mission for you to help families and businesses actually know how to keep their information more secure, and um, especially for military families, that couldn't be more important. So to start off, why don't we just start with, why don't you tell everybody a little bit of your backstory and how you got into um, cybersecurity and how you got into the job that you have now? Sure. So I actually started off in sports journalism, which is about as far away from cybersecurity as you can get, um, but was working that for many, many years and was more on the technical side than on the in front of the camera side. That's a special clarification to make there. Um, but I'm married into the Air Force. And so he was a um, stealth pilot. And so as a family member of this very special airframe, um, we were read into several different things of do's, do not, um, right as social media was really beginning that uptick in popularity. Um, they were very concerned about our safety because being related to these pilots made us um, indirect targets as well. So I was thankful for that because I really didn't understand what that meant as a military spouse at that time since I was extremely new to the environment and all of the um, various challenges. So one night I'm up late with a one month old and perusing the Facebook uh, spouse pages as we all seem to do sometimes. Um, and came across a picture of a loaded weapons bay on this particular jet. Obviously, that was a big problem. Um, that wasn't supposed to be out there to start with, let alone on a public-facing page. Um, so I called our weapons officer and explained what I was looking at. And through a series of events, they found out what my background was. And I ended up going through the um, Joint Information Operations Warfare Center, or the JIWOCs, um, operation security manager program. So I was one of the very first um, civilians to go through that and also the only military spouse who had ever gone through um, and was tasked with really breaking down what does OPSEC mean for military families um, because we don't serve in the capacity that our service members do, but we still have access to a significant amount of information. Um, and so from there, um, I divorced the military um, and went into the um, cybersecurity practice at Ernst & Young. So I am the America's lead for cybersecurity awareness and training. So essentially teaching OPSEC to businesses um, and really taking a holistic approach of securing the individual, not just what they do at work, but at home um, and encompassing all of those different areas from social media to digital profiles to physical security and how they all work together. So, um, very interesting career journey. I've met some incredible people along the way, uh, but here I am. 
And so for those that are listening that are civilians or maybe external family members, um, share just a little bit, because we're going to get into military mission-mindedness and, and why this is so important for military families and even service members. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be focusing more, a little bit more for military families, because military members really do get um, at least some education on that. Um, but for those that are listening that are civilians or external family members, explain a little bit of why this matters for them too, because you're working, like you said, with these civilian businesses to consider security Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, it really boils down to information. Information is power. Information is security and information is money. Um, and there is no piece of that puzzle that is insignificant to an adversary. So simple things like saying, you know, my service member is going to be home in time for my daughter's birthday. Okay. Technically that's correct. You didn't give away any dates, but to an adversary, I can look on the internet, Google, pick your, your potion there um, for free access and information. And I can quickly figure out when your daughter's birthday is. Um, So automatically you've cut my calendar to look at for a potential attack significantly down. Um, you can't tell who an adversary is these days. You just can't. Um, can Social engineers. For those that are listening, can you just define what an adversary is, just in case? Uh, It can be a criminal. It can be someone who wants to do harm. It can be a terrorist. It can be um, someone who wants to have identity theft. It's just really the enemy, more polite way of saying the enemy, um, because those do take different forms and fashions. It can also mean a bully. because those internet trolls and bullies are very much out there and omnipresent these days. So um, take us through the importance of, let's just start from a local perspective. And again, I think this is just as important to civilians that are listening. Um, Walk us through the importance of, you said that you help people with just general physical physical mindedness or self-awareness as well. So walk us through what we could do better when it comes to the importance of our physical and local security. It really boils down to common sense. I think that has been lost over the years. Um, you know, walking and talking on your phone, driving and texting, having headphones in while you're walking somewhere, especially if you're not necessarily familiar with the area. You know, um, truly basic situational awareness. Do I know who's around me? Do I know where my children are? Um, do I take the same route home back and forth from work every single day like clockwork? Can my behavior patterns be established? Um, for teenagers and children, especially who am I entrusting with information on my child, let alone who is caring for my child? Um, it's putting things on the back of your car, bumper stickers, um, the stick figure families, everything else. All of those are what we call indicators. So you're freely giving away information of some type that could benefit someone. Um, if you have, you know, proud army spouse or, my son is in the army or, or, or whatever it may be, you've automatically self-identified as someone associated with the military. Um, unfortunately, that's not always a positive connotation um, for different audiences. If you have stick figures and one of them are boots or something of that order, you've just now self-identified that at some point in the year, you're home alone. Um, I'm going to know how many children you have. If you have a dog, it could be anything from a three pound terrier to a 200 pound bulldog. I I don't know, but I do know that there is a pet in the home. Um, the same thing goes for having children's sports stickers. I don't need to know that your daughter is number 23 on the South middle school team, because now you've given me information to follow your child as you've also self-identified as military. So it's realizing there's so much that you're already putting out there about yourself that adversaries really don't have to work that hard um, to find out anything about you. Um, It can go as simple as what you throw away in the trash. Holidays, for instance. Do you take your more high-value items and turn the boxes inside out and put them in garbage bags? Do you take them somewhere else? All of those are telling people that there's something of value in the home. It's not that hard to find people on social media to look for Sandy toe pictures or boarding passes. Please don't take pictures of your boarding pass. Um, I can cancel your trip while you're on it. Um, You know, it's really just showing criminals, hey, there's a high value item in this house. They can Google the address. They'll do drive-bys. Criminals are smart, 
but they're lazy. So if you give them a lot of information up front, you've made a tax to yourself, to your property, to your information that much easier. Now, I've heard you give an example of how you um, tested even a hospital security one time and oh, how yeah. you managed to get in. So would you mind sharing a little bit of that story? Because I think it talks a lot about that physical, local self-awareness and that safety. Um, so get, tell that story for everyone. Sure. So I was working as a social engineer, which is basically someone who is going to manipulate your natural inclination to help, um, to share information, et cetera, and use that to my advantage. So we were testing a hospital's physical security um, with the goal of, at the time, infiltrating their network. So I had a USB in my pocket um, that wasn't going to do any damage, but if plugged in was going to let my team know that I was successful in accessing their network. So what had happened was I put on a pair of scrubs, threw my hair up in a ponytail. Um, I had photoshopped a badge from the hospital that I had taken a picture of out in the parking lot. Um, so it didn't matter that the badge didn't work. It looked like every other badge that was out there. Now um, you, found you, someone, you found someone's badge that you took a picture or you just found? No, someone? I just, I was out taking pictures because at one of these hospitals, it has a, um, little scenic area. So I was pretending to be a photographer and took a picture of somebody's badge as they were wearing it. Mm. And I knew what the barcode looked like. I knew what the designs were. I knew what the colors were. It's not hard to fake you know, a face picture like this. Um, and that's also plausible. People's badges don't work. So how can I authenticate myself to the situation? I have a badge that looks like yours. I'm dressed like you. I look like I know what I'm doing because I already knew where I wanted to go in the hospital. I needed to get to a certain department. So I had looked online because there's a map of the hospital. That's out there. That's not necessarily secret. That's out there to help people navigate. This is where this department is. This is where this department is. But as a, a criminal, essentially, it helped me do what I needed to do. So I had a very explicit path of how I was going to go. Um, I got to my first door and had a bunch of papers in my hand and was trying to scan my badge, and it didn't work. And I had someone else in that department come up behind me and scan their badge and open the door and said, here, let me help you out. Criminal activity? No, they were trying to be helpful but I managed to manipulate my way in besides door number one. So followed down the hallway, kept going, same situation, had this stuff in my hand. I can't get my badge out of my pocket. Can you open the door for me? Sure, I look like I belong. Um, plunked my papers down next to a desk, took the USB out of the pocket, plugged it in. Nobody asked me anything because again, I looked like I belonged. And sure enough, that's how it happened. Um, so it's realizing, especially in the work environment and school environments, those familiar faces are fine. If you see somebody there that you don't necessarily know, um, it's worth paying attention to and not holding doors open for everyone. Yes, you want to be helpful, but if you have badges to access a certain point, you need to make sure that their badges work. And if not, offer to take them to security, offer to call someone for them, but politely say, I'm sorry, I can't let you in past this point unless your badge works, um, which people aren't comfortable doing. It's amazing how people are so afraid to be rude or mean or yeah. um, judged as not helpful rather than following the rules, but rules are there, especially in those situations, um, as a mean to keep people safe. And I think we can also apply that um, to especially the military world. I know I have a lot of first responders that listen as well. Um, but there are certain, you know, rules that we have in place that keep us secure, even if we um, feel like it might be a little bit much or we might feel like it's a little bit strict. Um, there's a lot mm -hmm. of things we don't understand as to why those rules are in place and why we should follow them. Yeah, it's, it's very much a secured, layered approach to sufficient security. Um, it's, everything is there for a reason. It's not there to make your job harder, although I know sometimes it really does. Um, you know, many times when you're being asked to authenticate yourself to military systems, it seems painful, to say the least. Um, but those are in place because they have had so many identity thefts, um, you know, the OPM breaches that have happened. There's reasons why these processes have become so strict and so rigid. It's ultimately to protect you. Um, while it can be frustrating, it's there for a reason. Um, for first responders, I, I have several friends that 
are EMTs and they're frustrated sometimes where they get onto certain scenes and they have to wait for the police to arrive to secure the location. You know, everybody wants to help that person that's hurt, but they also need to protect the EMTs, the fire, the, you know, everyone involved because there have been ambushes for that exact reason. Um, so there's logic to the madness when it doesn't always seem so. Um, if you're at work, if you're on base, if you're in an environment where you're not sure why you're doing what you're doing, it's okay to ask because they should be able to provide an answer as to why you're having to do a certain thing. From there, you can always escalate, ask questions, et cetera. But all these rules and processes are in place to ultimately protect you. Now, I want to share with everybody how um, how I really got to know you and why this became such a big issue. Like you said, social media really started to come on the scene about, I want to say, I think at like 2007 is, is kind of where yeah, it was. Yeah, 2008, 2009. That's when the big push was big push. And so um, when I met you in 2015, um, we, with the Spouse of the Year Awards, we found that there was at least one spouse who had been targeted by an adversary mm -hmm. who had reached out and said that they knew where she lived, they knew where her children were. Um, and it really was a big scare because I think at least for, maybe not for those who have been tracking this for a long time, but publicly for military families, it was one of the first times that we had ever kind of woken up to this idea that adversaries would consider mm -hmm. going after family members. And so um, that's where really we were able to bring you in and you started to educate us all because it really scared everybody because everybody to that point had been, you know, creating social media accounts and some pu public social media accounts and mm -hmm. uh, things had really been building from that 2008 push up till, you know, 2015 when this was happening. And yeah. by then we had had a considerable amount of information that was out on social media. So um, that's, I think that's the biggest question, I think, of this episode is really talking about um, how do we apply this um, digitally because everything that we do is online. Everything that we, mm -hmm. um, so much for military families, their connections are online with other people and so much of sharing your life is online. So why don't we take um, this time to kind of transition to talking about social media and digital awareness and the importance of um, things that we may not be aware of, of how we can be a little bit more secure. And, um, and actually we need to define OPSEC too. So however you would like to start sure. on that. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll define OPSEC because that's, it's, um, it's basically all of the non-confidential information that's out there. So it's operation security. Um, operations can be what your home operations are. It doesn't necessarily have to be military related. Who's there? Where do you live? What do you do? Um, what information do you possess that might be helpful to me? Um, and, and like I said, it goes everything from identity theft to a full scenario um, terrorist attack. It's everything in between. Um, privacy is really what this boils down to. We have become a culture of oversharing versus private life. And there, there is no line anymore. Um, especially for military families, being geographically separated from most of our family, most of our friends, or acclimating to a new area, we're reaching out on social media. Um, and in doing so, you open yourself up to a lot. Everybody um, that I've talked to says, but my privacy settings are strict and we're in secret groups. Let me debunk this myth right now. Nothing on the internet is private. Nothing that you delete ever permanently goes away. Cross the board. Secret groups on Facebook are harder to find, but they are by no means secret. Um, realize that Facebook, as you're typing things, is recording what you're typing, even if it's never posted. All of the accounts that you have associated with Facebook, Google Maps, um, let's see what else, Cartwheel, um, Pinterest, Spotify, Instagram, you pick one, those are all pooling information and providing this digital profile about you. Um, to kind of take a step back, you are the guardian of your children's digital profile right now. Um, you and I were lucky to be a part of a generation that has embarrassing photos and photo albums underneath, you know, a coffee table somewhere. We grew up in adolescence without having our every move somehow recorded or analyzed. Um, children now have a digital presence in utero because we're sharing uh, ultrasound pictures. We're sharing cute toddler stories. We're sharing pictures of, you know, the cute little bum on the beach. All of those things are going to live forever. 
your children's great-grandchildren will be able to see these pictures. Um, and you are really taking away the choice of your children to just really determine what they want out there about themselves. Because by the time they turn 18, look for their first job, et cetera, this will all be searchable. So it's really to take a step back and go, what information of mine do I really want to share with the world? Because it doesn't matter what your privacy settings are. There's screenshotting, there's downloading, there's so many different things where everything you do is being saved and watched by someone somewhere. Now, I realize that statement has just significantly scared a lot of people. Um, and it's not meant to, but it is really made to make you self-aware of what you're putting out there. Um, there is nothing wrong with segmenting your life. You can have a Facebook profile for all of your military activities, um, especially if you're part of the MSOI group, um, the military spouse of the year, you will automatically be elevated to more of a public figure. So really, it makes sense to have a separate profile to network with, to build acquaintances with, to do all of those things, but don't necessarily have access to, you know, what you're posting on your personal Facebook page. Um, yes, it can be a hassle to have multiple, but you need to silo your life um, because not everyone needs to know everything all the time. Um, a rule of guidance that I give for families is if you wouldn't have a person into your home for dinner, they should not be on any of your social media accounts because your social media accounts provide so much more of an insight into your life than being in your home does. And that in and of itself is a crazy concept, but it's true. I can see your beha uh, behavior patterns. I can see, you know, where do you take trips? I know what your children are doing. If you're taking the first day of school pictures with, um, you know, those bulletin boards of this is what my child's doing. This is what they want to be. All of that. You're giving away so much information that you don't necessarily need to give away. Um, especially depending on what your service member does, if you're fire, if you're police, et cetera you are automatically more in harm's way than the average individual. And it's no longer safety in numbers. Um, as many in the military can tell you, as many in the um, first responder category can tell you, it's a very small group when you really boil it down. Um, there's always someone who knows someone else somewhere um, to be protective of your information and ultimately your digital reputation. Um, now, I, last time we talked, you had shared that you sometimes recommend having multiple social media profiles in order to mm -hmm. spread out that information or decide who gets yeah. access to what information. Yeah, that's very true. Um, there again, for LinkedIn, let's be, take that one for example. Your business profile should look one way. And there again, you don't necessarily have to go into detail about everything you've ever done. That's what your resume is for. Your LinkedIn profile is to connect. Um, to job seek, to be recruited, et cetera. If people want nitty gritty details, let them ask you. Let them provide your resume, et cetera. That, all of that information doesn't necessarily need to be out there for the world to see. Um, everything that I have on mine is already out there. So yes, I've collated it to a LinkedIn profile, but that's part of what I do. Um, much like what you do. You have to be out there in certain aspects. You're never going to be able to hide the fact that you were, you know, the military spouse of the year for 2015. That's forever associated with Corey Weathers. Um, that being said, you've probably gotten a little bit more cautious about what you put out there. What's in the backgrounds of your pictures, um, referring to your children by name, et cetera, all of those various different things. Um, you know, and in doing that, passwords are incredibly important. If you have the use of biometrics on any of your accounts, please do that. Um, I know Such Gmail. Um, or face yeah. recognition, something like that. Mm -hmm. And After um, we met you, when I talk about the one talk that you gave where we came home and changed so many yeah. things, we really did. So I, I did end up, because I'm more of out in the public and having to do things in the public, I really did have to create a separate Facebook profile where that's where I kept um, pictures with my children or their activities and create a more business mm -hmm. business profile. It wasn't necessarily to shun any of the acquaintances that I had met along the way, 
But I was also, especially since that event happened in 2015, where we had the one spouse Mm -hmm. that was targeted, I was increasingly getting very interesting requests, friend requests, foreign friend requests, and not Not trying to- ISIS. (laughs) Yeah. Where hashtag actually came from, we started to laugh about that and say, not today, ISIS, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, it really did get um, interestingly creepy at various points. And so- um, I'm so thankful that you were able to talk with us and help us separate those things. I know my husband's birthday um, on his Facebook account is not his real birthday. Like he has to remind everybody um, every year that January 1st is not his birthday. So thank you for sending well wishes, but it's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he's not is not going to put that out. And his Facebook profile isn't even his real name. Um, so that might sound really crazy and um, super strict to a lot of people out there. Like how big of an issue is this really? So um, I would love for you to share the story of um, the news story and how you were able to use a news story to actually track down um, a person's personal information. Yeah. So one of the guys that I worked with at the Jaywalk had a great experiment. We were um, sitting watching a news report one night and it was when President Obama was in office. And Essentially, one of the people that they interviewed said one comment. I'm not going to spoil it because I want you guys to watch the video. For a lot of us, this long holiday weekend is all about family. Same goes for the commander-in-chief. The Obamas were spotted at George Washington's men's basketball game today, and with that came a heavy dose of security. Our Richard Reeve was at the game, and he joins us now with the story. Rich? Well, Julie, you know that uh, holidays are all about family, and there is a well-known family connection between Oregon State and the White House. Some might wonder, though, if this had an effect on the game. This is more than just a basketball game. You all have your tickets? I saw the police, and I actually asked, you know, what was going on, and they just didn't say anything. It's GW versus Oregon State. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. We're very excited. Sure, Go Beavs. The visitors coached by Craig Robinson, First Lady Michelle Obama's brother. I think that's my biggest <laughs> reason I'm here, because I'd like to see the president. All that security outside, Secret Service, canine units, lots of unmarked cars. Tickets to this side or the car line? I mean, you just came to see my cousin play and um, didn't expect anything big, but to see Obama here would be really exciting. Made the folks lining up wonder. Will the basketball fan in chief really show? My husband flies on Air Force One. He kind of mentioned that that could be a possibility. But, I mean, that's not why we're here. We're just here to support the support Oregon State. And suddenly, there he was in the stands. Distraction, perhaps? I'm friends with some of the And from that, he sat down and probably did. He says, I bet I can guess and find out information about their family in 10 clicks or less. So, of course, you know, all of us being what we do, challenge accepted. Let's, let's see what you do. Um, and sure enough, he not only identified her spouse, um, but her child right down to where her child went to school in six clicks. Mm, six Didn't clicks. pay for a single thing. Um, a lot of that was due to, A, we knew her name. We knew what service we were going to be looking for. Um, her profile picture on Facebook, which for those who don't know, is completely public. It doesn't matter what you put up there that is seen. Um, was of her and her military spouse in uniform. So just by having a profile picture of someone in uniform or identifying there again with a military indicator, that made our job so easy because it was we don't have to search through the 50 people that came up with her name. We know what she looks like. We now can authenticate, yep, this is her because it's her military member in uniform. And then just went down the rabbit hole, and we were shocked at how quickly we were able to put things together. Um, this is no longer something that happens in Hollywood or, you know, I'm not that high profile. It does not matter. Criminals want the information on the lowest piece of that hanging fruit, the easiest subject to pick. Um, and they'll verify that data across different members of groups to say, you know, we've seen this piece of information or we have these family members or these squadron members, these group members all seem to associate very well together. So let's watch and see what they do. Um, and like you said, it, it wasn't until one, which ended up being, I think the final total of targeted spouses was around 32. Wow. Um, that people all of a sudden kind of took that step back and goes, wait a minute, I know her. 
-hmm. If this is happening to her, this could happen to me. And so oftentimes with so many things in society, we kind of blow it off until we're in a position of it happened to someone I know. And it's happening every day. Um, I'm sure all of you by now have gotten some sort of letter from some sort of breach somewhere. And you now have free credit monitoring for the next three years. It's happened to you. It's not if and when it will happen. It's how bad. And so I'd love to give some people some actual tips if we can be really practical here for just a second and talk about what can they do. We've talked about having some separate profiles. Um, I've known some people that if you're going to be talking about Christmas plans and getting together with your family members, I know some people have a Facebook group that is just a a private group or a private profile that's just for family members. Mm -hmm. Um, But what are some actual specific things, some practical things that um, people can do today to make changes to their social media to make it more secure? Um, Number one is not having your full name. Using an alias. Um, That's a very simple thing to do. Um, you know, like your husband has done, not having your legitimate birthday, um, which leads me to password questions. When you forget your password, what do you ask? Your mother's maiden name, or did you go to school, name a first pet, etc. That's not a true false test. You can answer those questions however you want. The reality is, is if you answer them truthfully, I can find that on open source media pretty easy, 95% of it. Um, So really, it's just taking steps to make your information that much harder to verify and that much harder to identify you as a whole. Um, You know, don't have military members in your Facebook profile pictures. Don't have your profile picture be something that can be copied and used for an ID. You know, it's this, this is a driver's license picture. That's a identification card. All of that. Um, You know, it's one thing to want to connect with everyone and to share information and to share the joys and sorrows and all of that that is life, which is fine. By, by no means am I saying don't use social media, but realize what you're putting out there and think about it from the eyes of the adversary. We say you have to think like the wolf. So if you think like the wolf, what can I use this information for? Then you take the steps backwards to protect against it. Um, you know, it's not identifying your children on social media. And if you have already realized it's out there, but don't do it going forward. Um, posting about your children, ask them if they're okay with it. Realizing, you know, a six-year-old's going to have a much different opinion than a 16-year-old. But if you wouldn't want that out there about yourself right now, you probably don't want to put it out there about your child. If you've got a smartphone and even once posted an online picture, you need to know about a new threat. This is something. New technology can allow hackers to track down you and your kids, even from a simple email. Russ. Mark and Elizabeth, the technology allows strangers to cherry pick from online pictures posted all over the web and then find the home, work, or even school of that person in the pic. Perfect. Just like that. Ready? One, two, three. Good girl. We gave NBC Action News staffer Suzanne McDonald and daughter Lainey a smartphone. And a big smile towards mommy's face. Yeah. To see just how threatening a seemingly innocent snapshot could be once loaded online. That's frightening. We then combed Twitter and sites like Facebook, Craigslist, and Photobucket searching for locals. We found a menu of nearby children and, with the click of a mouse, their locations. That is legitimately terrifying. It's a new and frightening threat to parents. So we right-click, then we hit that data file. Mm, That's the program. And the full threat is even an unknown to many internet crime experts. Had you ever seen it go this far before? No, no. uh, Officer Mark Chuddick calls the hidden threat today's biggest risk online. It's probably going to be number one for a while. And that's where she was when that picture was taken. That's incredible. Remember, Lainey? We used the technique to map her bedroom. Scary. Like, terrifying. We found not only Lainey's home, but located her daycare, favorite fast food shop, and right down to the specific part of the park where she plays. Especially as a parent, because the fact that you can see the exact place of it. At UMKC, computer science professor Deep Medi says smartphones leave a high-tech invisible trail using the same geo-tracking technology that enables the social network Foursquare and handheld map apps. Exactly like in your GPS device in a car, the way you do it, 
it can tell you exactly where it is. Mehdi shows how free, easily obtained browser add-ons can translate that data into maps. Well, exactly that spot where that picture was taken. The site ICanStalkYou.com reposts pics from unwitting Twitter users in real time, translating their photos into actual addresses and maps. The site also has a how-to on deactivating geotagging on the iPhone, BlackBerry, Google Android, and Palm. Do you want to be able to do almost on a picture basis? With this online bedroom pic, we were able to find the home of these Olathe brothers. Hi, I'm Rose Potasik. I'm with NBC Action News. Their startled mom didn't want to talk on camera. No, thank you. Off camera, we warned her, and she changed their online settings to private. Until then, the location of her kid's bedroom, their hangout, and their school were all available to anyone online. Basically, what you're doing is you're telling the bad guy where I live, where I recreate, my likes, my dislikes, what my mom or dad look like, where I live. I mean, the online mapping is phenomenal. Give me a smile. Pretty girl. Experts say you can still be perfectly safe just by turning off GPS setting on pics you plan to post online. Perfect. So before you post another picture online, yes. what you want to do is get into your phone and you want to get into your settings. So you'll go into your settings and you'll get to where that GPS is controlled, which is your location services. You can turn all of your location settings off. But that would also affect your maps and everything else. So you could specifically go right to what controls your camera and turn that off. Once you do that, every picture that you take then will be safe. No one can tell where that photo was taken and where you were. That is so alarming. We're going really to my phone right this <laughs> Really, the, the more technology is great, the more we seem to expose ourselves to so many things. So very good story. An Thank easy you. fix. An easy fix. Oh, we have more information online. Can yeah, we leave to do it right now? I know. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you Russ. Appreciate it. Families do for special events like military balls, graduations, promotions, mm -hmm. those kind of events where um, you're dressed up and your spouse is in their uniform and they want to share how handsome or, or how mm -hmm. great they look. Um, what would you recommend that they do for sharing some of that? By all means, share it, but do it in a more private setting. So on Facebook, you can make albums and you can set the privacy notifications and the settings on a particular album. Post it there. That's fine. Um, if it is going to be something more public facing, I know a lot of military spouses have businesses that are truly associated with the military and they're, they're listening to this right now going, well, I can't separate them because that's part of what I do. Try to make it so when you take the pictures, you're not seeing a nameplate. You're not seeing a specific squadron badge. Um, look at the picture through the eyes of if someone wanted to hurt me, what information have I given them? Um, what's going on in the background, um, especially if you're dealing with special forces or anyone in a very specialized field, don't have anyone else in the picture because you don't know what their conversations are. Mm -hmm. um, talk with your squadron, your, your command. They are going to have different rules and regulations based on what's going on in the life cycle of your mission, um, based on what you do, based on where you are etc. So there is no one-size-fits-all blanket guidance. Um, talk to your first shirts, talk to your ombudsman, talk to your um, key spouses, etc. because each service does things a little bit differently as to what they allow out there and what they want to be private. Um, the other part is to set up Google alerts for yourself and everyone associated with you and that's just simply you go in and you tell Google, I want anytime this particular number comes up, and it might be your phone number. Anytime that's found in the search, I want you to email me, and it'll send you the link of where they found it. So that's also something really good, especially for those in the MSOI program or more public-facing individuals. Put those search terms out there so that you know when something hits about you, um, good, bad, or indifferent, and you can take steps to fix it if you need to. Okay, so um, here's a, just an example of one of the things that Matt and I went through that was kind of uh, it woke us up to a whole other level of the importance of what Alex is talking about. Um, we were stationed or assigned to an intelligence um, organization or intelligence um, assignment where there was a lot of things that I as a family member wasn't allowed to know or wasn't allowed to be a part of. And I know there's a lot of families listening that are in that those special niche groups that Alex is talking about. So the spouses really had a hard time. We really struggled because there was such a need for community um, because there's a lot of things that um, service members maybe can't come home and talk about. I know a lot of our special ops groups have that dynamic in their marriages where they can't really come home and share all the details. 
um, with their family members. And that created a need for community um, more, more than anywhere else I had ever seen. So the spouses were simply wanting to get together for dinner and be able to have a Facebook page to be able to share, hey, we're all going to go out for dinner on this night um, so that we can have that sense of community. And I remember I called you, Alex, because the spouse was really having a lot of anxiety because we wanted this gathering, but um, the, the building, the assignment, the group was saying that we couldn't even have the Facebook page and we definitely could not distribute information that way because we weren't even sure if there was adversaries even in the American community that would want to get information from us as spouses as to what our husbands were doing or what their jobs were or collecting some of this little pieces of information that they could then put together. And it was a huge challenge for family members to figure out how are we going to get together and communicate how we're going to get together. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that really woke everybody up to realize this is not just about foreign adversaries that are going through your Facebook pages. Um, This is about the, uh, the physical awareness, like you were talking about in the beginning, but also what we put out online about our local meetups. Big congrats, Todd. Uh, thanks. Uh, Tim, Carol's husband's cubicle mate. Right, yeah, of course. Huge promotion, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm really excited. How, how did you know I got promoted? LinkedIn. We're connected? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And how sweet was Sasha to take you to La Scala to celebrate? Oh, her Instagram pics of the gnocchi with all the shaved truffles. It just looks <laughs> so good. Oh uh, yeah, you, you, you follow my wife? Well, yeah, you tag her and everything, so it'd be rude if I didn't. Uh, How does she like her new Zumba place? You guys getting your bods in shape for Mexico? I saw your Facebook post. I was like, my goodness, you got to take me with you. I, yeah, I, I, I got to take this, okay? Is that Hunter? Ask him how he liked the T-Swift concert the other night. His snaps from the show, they were just incredible. Hashtag jelly. You know my kid? Yeah, I like to think I know him pretty well, actually. He makes the best posts on Snapchat. He's on Snapchat? Oh, and he was a little upset that he didn't get a t-shirt the other night. So, <clears throat> medium, I'll let you be the hero. Good to see you, buddy. Steven! Yeah, I think it's one of those, anytime you associate with a large group, um, large group meaning more than three people, um, you are kind of self-identifying as a potential target. Um, and really it's not discussing those on social media platforms by all means have an email blast that comes out. Hey, we're all going to meet at, gosh, there's a Chili's by every base, you know, at Chili's at three o'clock on Tuesdays, um, you know, every third Tuesday. Okay. People now know about it, but that's the only communication that goes out. And that email list is monitored by someone. Um, the reality is, is you don't know who's friend or foe. Truly, um, we have people in the service, you know, we, we are hearing about them more and more that either want to cause harm to other service members or that are stealing information and vice versa. So it, it really is up to you to take that personal ownership of the information that you have access to of the people that you know are associated with the program and really protect it. Um, privacy is a lost art form right now. It's not everyone needs to know everything all the time. Um, and take that pause before sending, take that pause before posting and go, does this really need to be out there? Or is this a phone call? Is this something more of an email? It doesn't always need to be social media based. I love that tip. I really do. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about the importance of the mission, especially for the military. This is a huge deal. Um, I know that typically as military spouses, we're, we're taught on some general OPSEC guidelines of things to not put out there, but especially if there's some new spouses that have just come into the community, or maybe they're, maybe they're not new, but they just haven't necessarily been trained on OPSEC before. Um, give us some basic tips of things to not put out there, um, of things to be aware of that could impact the mission. Um, dates are a big one, even just very generically saying, well, you know, he'll be home by Christmas or she'll be home by Christmas. Um, what they do, what their schedule is, what your schedule is. I'm tired of being home alone at night. You know, can somebody, I'm having trouble making friends, et cetera. Just those specific details about you 
that I couldn't find out unless I knew you. Um, it's tough for service members because some of them have to be so public. Um, and really anybody walking on a base can tell what somebody's doing. Um, but really not putting that personal information out there. Um, protecting yourself on social media by having a different name. Use your middle name. Use um, your best friend's last name for yours. Just make it that much harder for someone to associate information with you, with your family. Um, don't talk about deployment dates. Don't talk about a morale of the unit. That's another big one. Um, Why is that a big one? Because that's not one I've heard before. So if units have deployed a lot, if they have a very difficult situation, et cetera, that can all be used by an adversary to figure out something. If they know that um, maybe people aren't thrilled with leadership, they can start posting things from other accounts to kind of feed the fire and create discourse within the unit. Um, if you identify somebody having marital problems or financial problems or maybe other domestic issues, that can now be used against someone um, for blackmail purposes, for information purposes, et cetera. Adversaries want to know if a unit is healthy, if they're prepared both mentally and physically, all of those things. So morale is a huge indicator of force strength and force protection. That's, um, that's one that I had not heard before. So that's interesting. So definitely, definitely dates, um, announcing whether or not you're alone, um, how much longer you have left to be alone. Yeah, that's um, a big one. Probably I would guess where they're being stationed and what, a, what group they're being assigned to and yeah. all of that information. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of those where really there is no piece of information that's insignificant. Truly. Um, don't post information about your base. Um, let public affairs post things about missions, about homecomings, about deployments, et cetera, because those are usually thoroughly vetted before they ever go public. Um, and just because they post it doesn't necessarily mean you should be reposting it for other audiences to see. Um, it might be only isolated to that base area versus going to much larger groups. So there again, it's that need to know. All right. So a big question that I get from a lot of military families is how to explain this um, and relay this kind of information to family members. I mean, obviously they can share this talk with family members and, and let family members learn um, hear, hearing from you. Mm -hmm. But when you're wanting to excitedly share care package addresses and when to expect for homecoming so they can make plans and arrangements. And, and we have a lot of family members then that then get excited and want to share that with friends friends, you know, because they're mm -hmm. excited a deployment is ending or, um, or whatever's going on with that military family. So walk us through what could we do better with some of this information that we know we have to share outside of our immediate family and actually share with external family members? Sure. So this is actually something I get a lot, especially the care package question. Um, if someone is deployed and they know that they're deployed, um, you can say, contact me for their mailing address if you're interested. And then you have a running list of who you've actually given that email or the mailing list out to. Um, because they're again posting that address. You've told me where a particular unit is. Um, it's not hard to figure that out from the mailing address. Um, you've also identified yourself as having someone in the military currently deployed, which is a personal safety aspect. Um, and there again, people who aren't necessarily living the military um, life on an everyday basis are a little bit disconnected and protected from what actually happens. Um, you know, everyone has been on base when there's been someone who's passed or that sort of thing. And they understand the rallying around family members. Um, you know, it, which let me take a step back. If you have a tragedy in your group, do not post anything on social media, thoughts, prayers, hope they find them, hope they're okay, etc. Do not do that. Let the proper channels do what they need to do because there have been more than I would like to count instances where family members have found out their loved one was killed in action or hurt or something else from social media and not from the proper channels. Mm -hmm. um, 
if you don't know the specifics, don't post on behalf of the family unless you're specifically asked. Um, let that information come out as it should, because having someone killed in action is also indicative of the bigger force protection issue, because they now know that a particular unit is dealing with a loss. And while it's horrible to say, most service members understand that they do their job with the expectation that they could lose their life doing it. Um, the mental toll that that takes on an individual is significant. Um, losing a battle buddy is significant. Um, losing an innocent person at home and not being able to get home is significant. Um, so please don't be the messenger on that one. Let the official channels do that. Um, Even if it's organizing casseroles, right? Yes. Yeah. And then, um, new babies, that sort of thing. Let your ombudsman, your FRGs, your key spouses, those who have actually had a little bit more training on this, take the lead on those. Now, if you want to do it privately between four or five individuals, that's what texting's for. It doesn't have to be on social media. Um, but with military family members, you almost kind of have to approach it as if you're talking to your child about not doing drugs. Here's the dangers. Here's what can happen. You have ultimately the choice to make, but I'm asking you not to do this. Mm -hmm. And here's why. Um, and sit down with them and connect the dots. And maybe you go through this set with them. Um, you know, we have the video that we're going to show of the woman associated with President Obama. That is a great video to share to say all she said was her name mm -hmm. and that her husband did X job. And look at how far they got. And that kind of brings it home because it's now, it's not this imaginary situation. This happened. Um, you know, look at the news reports. There are several countries um, that shall not be named who have now ceased their service members using smartphones because they realize so much of that information is given away. Um, for instance, soldiers in the Ukraine, the leadership there used to make their people jump in the lake to deactivate any electronics that they had on them that they weren't claiming that they had. Um, there, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of eyeballs on everything this country does, um, especially if you're stationed in a foreign location. Um, protecting your information is significantly higher because you don't necessarily have some of the luxuries that you have back home in privacy and protection. Um, and sitting down and making the risks real for mom, dad, grandparents, sisters, brothers, uncles, etc. that just don't live this life on a daily basis. They don't understand the stress that it takes. They don't understand the dangers involved. Um, they don't understand the why we do what we do. I mean, if we're being honest, some of us don't even understand it. We just do it. Um, but really, having your service member have that conversation sometimes is the easiest way to do it. So it's, you know, more of a voice of authority. Um, there is no one easy way to say, you know, mom, dad, mom-in-law, stop talking on the Internet. Because ultimately you can't. Mm -hmm. But you can control what information you give them. Well, here's, so, here's an example. when we were assigned to that intelligence unit, um, we had to change what it was that we were even um, doing. I mean, just it woke us up to so many things. And so we had to mm -hmm. sit down with members and say, here's the thing. If, you know, my mom is sitting out to eat, you know, having a drink somewhere and somebody comes up and sits next to her and they just casually strike up a conversation. And then because mm -hmm. she's proud of us or whatever, she's sharing, oh yes, well, I do have a daughter. And oh, what does your daughter do? Well, she's married to her husband who's mm -hmm. in the military. Oh, well, that's awesome. What does he do? Right? Like it's just, just because she's proud and excited that person gets more and more and more information. Um, and it's being aware of your surroundings and deciding how much of these little pieces do you put out and being able to be aware of that those are these little pieces that can be put together. And family yeah. members be aware of that as well. Well, and, and the great experiment for folks at home to do is the next time that you go out somewhere in public, just be quiet and listen. And really hear the conversations people are having around you out in the open. Some things you'll wish you never heard. Some things are very entertaining and everything in between. Um, 
but you really don't know who's listening for information and who's trying to be polite. Um, you know, a conversation I have many times with military spouses is, you know, there's, there's businesses around military bases that exist solely to listen. Um, you know, as much as I hate to put this out there, any place that in, employs a large amount of foreign nationals is something to be very, very mindful of. Um, even if you don't think that they speak English, you might not understand what they're saying, but they most certainly understand what you are. Um, and that can be very, very dangerous. You mentioned that texting or emailing is a much better way of distributing that personal information if you need to, you know, one person at a time or just family members, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I know you get that question a lot. What apps yeah. um, or other secure features can you educate us on? Um, well, multi-factor multi authentication is something that everybody should be doing. And what that is, is if you sign on to one account from a new device or something that it doesn't recognize, it will send a code to your email, a code to your phone, some sort of something else to authenticate you to that system. So Gmail, Facebook, they all have it. If that's ever presented to you, take full advantage of it. Because what that does is if someone does hack into some aspect of your life, you're going to start getting notices that somebody's trying to log into an account because it's going to be sending you all these codes. Um, that right then and there, if you're not actively trying to remember your password, is something that you need to be mindful of. Um, as far as specific apps, here's the thing is nothing's 100% secure. Nothing. Um, everything is, in, is fallible in some shape or form. So with that, I will say talk to your command before deployment. Um, talk to a senior leader that you're comfortable with or go through your key spouse, ombudsman, et cetera and say, what should we be doing? And let it come specific from your command as to how they want you to communicate where they are for that specific mission. Because there's a great chance it'll change from mission to mission or location to location based on the situations at hand. It's being done with a reason in mind because ultimately you want your service member and everyone associated with them to come home. So if that means you're not in control of the communications while extremely painful, you need to respect that. And can I just add that if you are getting that information from command or at an FRG meeting or something like that, that you distribute that information to your entire roster so that if they're not coming to FRG meetings, um, that yeah. we're at least distributing the information so that everybody is aware of what those rules are or what those resources can be. Um, I, to finish up, there was a recent article that you posted yeah. soldiers, uh, as a test. Yeah, it was $60 and all open sourced information, which means they really just combed the internet of what was already out there. Um, and they manipulated soldiers into, I say soldiers is a very loose term service members, um, into not only disobeying leadership commands, but also providing intimate details, um, family member details, mission details, et cetera from the information that they found. Um, they created personas that were um, perceived to be legitimate and used those information against the, the service members. And really, they were shocked that they had as much success as they did. Um, Corey, you're welcome to link that article that has a lot more detail than we'll talk about here. Uh, again, but, this was a test. This was not any adversaries that were doing this. No, but this was homegrown to test. Yes. To test. Mm -hmm, with NATO. And that, yep. And that's alarming considering um, service members actually get some level of training. And so if they can use $60 and open source information to get that much information and manipulate service members, how much more so could someone do that with the information that we're putting out there? Yeah. Alex, and yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Now, I mean, that's just what's accessible by Google. We're not even talking dark web or criminal activity networks, et cetera. That's just what you and I can search. Um, so please, there is no piece of information out there that has little value um, to someone it is significant. Is there any other tips or information that you can give us, any other resources that we can access um, that you would encourage us to do that maybe we haven't covered? Yeah, so on Facebook and in other social media aspects, every branch 
has their own OPSEC program management page. Um, I encourage you to like that, follow it. They do have great tips. Um, there's also a group on Facebook, OPSEC for Families, um, that really just kind of takes everything, even non-military related, just basic information security and cybersecurity um, risks and different things you need to know, for instance, um, the new challenge on social media for teens is to go missing for 48 hours and see how many likes and everything else you can get. Oh, wow. um, so information like that is posted on there, which is really great to know. Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, um, the government has several, um, the National Security Alliance, not the other NSA, um, that has a lot of great information and tips out there. Um, let's see what else. It's really, talk to your schools. Your schools are even starting to talk about social media safety and all of that in their um, curriculum with the kids because they realize now it's starting so, so young. Mm -hmm. um, your military and family resource centers will have a lot of information. Don't be afraid to ask the question is ultimately what this boils down to. If you don't know, ask. Ask before you post. Um, you, unfortunately, you can't do anything about what's already out there you can control going forward. Um, so it really is a conversation to have with your service member, with your leadership, uh, because everyone will have a different risk profile of what they're fine to tolerate and what they're not. Um, and determine what those are and talk about it with your family. Alex, I can't thank you enough for not only what you shared with us today, but also what you do every day. An amazing job that you have. I'm so glad that people have invested in you and you've gone down this track and become passionate about it. It's so important. Um, I know we're going to have you back to talk about you know deeper levels of security um, for different people. And so I just want to thank you for your time. Um, thank you for encouraging us to be a little bit safer. Um, and we, I will post as many articles and tips that I can in the show notes for this. Um, but otherwise, we will get you back on another time to talk about other levels of security. So thank you for spending some time with me today. Thanks for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these conversations as being free of advertising or sponsorship, please help me by spreading the word to other military and first responder families that might benefit from the show. If you'd like to find out more about me or Life Giver, you can find more information at www.coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.